Hello, I'm Dr Stewart. And I'm Leah Tindale. And this is our podcast called What's Up Doc, where we explore issues around health and in particular uh, mental health. And this is a little bonus episode because this has been such a phenomenally successful series. So, so popular. And we wanted to um, add in a little bonus about something that I think gets a little bit uh, forgotten sometimes when we are talking about mental health conditions. And that is the carers Mm -hmm. who are and family members surrounding those suffering from um, mental health conditions. So... Mm. I think to start, I really kind of wanted to to talk about the cost yeah. and how much it does cost when you are, um, whether you're living with someone, yeah. whether you know of someone very close to you, yeah. and then how we can sort of, like the ways that it can cost. It, it, it costs in every way imaginable. And I think this is quite a heavy subject, but I think it's important to, to cover as well, particularly in this context. And um, when I think about cost, I mostly don't think about financial cost, although clearly that is implicated. Yes. Uh, but for me, uh, in these situations, when I'm visiting a patient or, or meeting with a patient um, who is suffering with, with uh, mental health in, in particular, carer strain is what mm. we term it. And it's, it's just how much is this weight bearing on the other person in the relationship here or the other people in this relationship here um you know are they showing signs of burnout are they showing signs of relationship strain you know is are they fighting with one another is there a bitterness developing are they becoming frustrated are they feeling guilty about the fact that they don't want to be a carer anymore they didn't really sign up for that you know we we've all heard in sickness and in health but actually um when you're at the pointy end of that it's a very different story, mm-hmm. and especially when you're several years into that, it Absolutely. is a very, very difficult patient for a lot of people to find themselves in. I think it's interesting as well and, and very important to touch on because often um, the carer will be very dismissive of mm-hmm. their own weight because they're, they're seeing, obviously, their loved one suffering and they know how big it is. So they want to downplay, oh, well, I'm yeah. fine, and all of that narrative. Um, but when re- reality is you can't care for anybody if you don't have enough in the tank for yourself. Absolutely, and that's exactly the line. That's exactly what I say to people is we need you to be mm. firing on all cylinders so that we can do our best for them. And that's that's the challenge. Mm. Uh, and oftentimes the carer does not want the attention because they recognise that the other person has a more visible sickness and therefore that needs the attention. When in actual fact, there are a lot of people sometimes in a treatment situation that we need to factor and consider in all of this. Yeah, and the, I suppose the other thing as well, and I'm not sure if you've seen this in, in your practice um, much, but when then you downplay all of those things that are happening as a carer, then as a result, often they can be you can be developing your own mental yeah. health conditions. Um, I know a friend of mine who was the carer of her partner for a very, very long time and, you know, started that relationship with, you know, just, uh, you know, a little bit of anxiety, maybe a little bit of uh, worry or whatever, but nothing that was needed to be medicated or anything. Ended, um, you know, 10 odd years later with, you know, panic attacks, anxiety disorder, a whole gamut of things, let alone, you know, health issues to do with the gut gut disorders, the whole thing because you weren't addressing the, the weight. And I think that's so important that we... We give space to the carers as well because it's, it's, critical. it's, it's critical. a huge weight to carry. It massively is. And actually, we need the carers to be in that role because otherwise that person may not be fit to care for themselves. They may end up institutionalised or in a much worse situation. Or they may become reliant on other family members who are in a worse position and less able to look after them. And you can see that um, interaction starting to seed resentment and anger and frustration. 
and you see the love necessarily um, fading from a, a situation, which is a tragedy. Mm. Um, so there is a very complex relationship between a carer and a patient. Mm. And I think it's really important that we identify early where those strains exist. I always operate on the assumption there is going to be strain, yes, regardless okay. of where we are in that journey, because if it's gotten to the point where they're walking in to see me, there has been a journey up yeah, to that point, yeah. and there is definitely going to have been some form of strain. It may be very early days, but identifying it, watching for it, making sure that we catch it as early as we can and managing it appropriately is very important. To Absolutely. Me. There's one big area of... Um, a carer's responsibility around um, mental health conditions that is a lot more heavy, but I think it's important that we touch on, and we should note um, this is a trigger warning for anyone that um, you know may be uh, familiar with or walk down the path of um, suicide and knows anyone in that space. Um, but I think it's really important to to touch on suicide because uh, sometimes, as well as a carer, you may not know when when something is life or death because everything feels life or death when and you could also be um not being manipulated but being told things and your perception is then different and then the weight of that yes so how do you even navigate that side of things and what would sort of your advice in that space be to look out for what's important to me is to get across to the carer that they are not walking this journey alone Mm. that there are people there including myself who are there supporting them and they don't need to carry that burden on their own. They're not trained to carry that burden on their own. They are not expected to know. Um, I have this conversation in the context of uh, mums and young bubs. Mm. And a new mum uh, often will be very nervous. And the bub will get a, a sneeze and mum will come running in. <laughs> well, she's very worried that I'm going to judge her for bringing a relatively well child. And I say, look, you know, let's just check, make sure we examine the child. Very reassuring. I'd rather see them a hundred times and reassure you yeah. than see them once and send them to hospital. But look, you get their whole life with them and I get 10, 15 minutes with them. So if you're worried, I want to see them. Yes. Yeah. I can then make the judgment. It's not on your shoulders. I can make the judgment based on years of experience, extensive training and an understanding of the patient in context. So I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. And look, that's a nice way to put it, but in, the, in reality it might be a few days before the patient can get in to see one of us. Yes. If it's late on a Friday night that suddenly these symptoms develop, um, I might not be available to the Monday at the earliest, whatever. Uh, but there are other places, there's emergency departments, there's out-of-hour services, these kind of things. The point is you're not walking this journey alone yeah. at any point. It might feel like there's just the two of you there, but in reality there's a whole team who is ready and standing by. It's just knowing where to turn to. Mm. But ultimately, I need to be the person making that judgment call. Do we need to be exceptionally concerned? I think any time people are talking about suicide, it's important to listen. Yes. Uh, for yeah. me as a medical professional. Um, it's, it's a word or a phrase that's used a lot. I tend to use it less. I tend to talk more about dark thoughts. I tend to talk more about hurting oneself mm-hmm. or, or causing injury. Um, but it's all around that specific area. And what I'm trying to identify is, is this just someone who just desperately needs the pain to stop? Or is this someone who wants to end their life? Mm. And that's an important and critical distinction for me. If someone is talking about not wanting to be here anymore, um, they are not really expressing a specific plan. They're just saying, I I just don't want to wake up tomorrow morning. I I, um, I haven't made any specific uh, arrangements. They're talking to me about it. They've already spoken to their spouse about it. They're talking to anyone that will listen. 
That's lower on my concern than someone who has been brought into an emergency department having been found who has attempted to do something, mm. who has tried to cover the tracks, who's maybe left a note, who has right. uh, tried to do something that one could reasonably expect would have a fatal consequence. Mm. Uh, so some people will take a very small number of pills um, and one would reasonably expect that that wouldn't have necessarily a fatal outcome. I mean, clearly any amount of an overdose can have a fatal outcome, mm. but in reality, oftentimes that's not the case. Whereas a, a more serious attempt would be something I would very much set up and take notice about. Um, so every single uh, discussion around this absolutely should be taken seriously and every doctor should take it seriously and I expect would take it seriously. Mm. Um, but we need to stratify the risk. I can't just send everyone to the emergency department or to a psychiatrist mm. um, without stratifying that risk and identifying, is this something that we feel is critical? Is this somebody who needs uh, emergency medical attention? Mm. Or is this just a cry for help because we have not got this right yet? And in those people, I need to instill some hope as we talked about in the last podcast, there is hope. We just need to get this right. And it's telling me that I have not got it right yet. So let's make some changes. Yeah. And so for the carer then, is they if they're coming in to, to see you, um, is it knowing those sort of levels of, of, you know, risk and then knowing which ones, okay, well, when the person I'm caring for is at that level, that's when something that I should probably also maybe call or whatever, rather than everything feeling, because it can feel all... Huge, yeah. you know, and it is, and huge. it is, it, it is, is huge. It's scary for anyone, and especially and when you're living it in the day to day. Even those of us who deal with mental health, including severe mental health, on a daily basis, it's still scary mm. when these situations mm. happen, and it's it's very difficult. We rely on years of experience and training, um, and we we do analyze a lot of the information we're getting and try and stratify that risk. But like I say, I, I would encourage a carer if I was speaking to them to not take on risk on their own. They don't yeah. need to, and yeah. that's not what's supposed to happen. If they're worried based on their experience with the patient and what they're hearing and seeing, I want to see them or they should be in an emergency department. There are services who would be able to key in. It's important that if we are worried about that patient, we seek help. Yeah, very, very true. I think um, the final sort of thing that's so I just really want to hone in for anyone who is um, a carer is that you're definitely seen, that you're not a a forgotten member of of the family or whatever that dynamic is. Um, And there is help available for you too. There absolutely is. There's uh, charities like Helping Minds. The Australian government runs a service called Carer Carer Gateway. Um, There's the Mental Health Carer Helpline. Um, There's even Lifeline. There are lots of places people can turn to get support uh, as a carer for someone with mental health. Um, we can put links to that on the uh, on the website. Um, but ultimately, there is always support available. And it, the, the, the carer themselves will have to determine if they're really worried and they don't think this can wait till tomorrow morning, likely it's going to be the emergency department. But there will be support services in place. And it's just about um, having a recognition that something has changed, something is not right. Don't take a risk. Leave it to the experts. Go and seek some help. Absolutely. And you're not alone. No matter Absolutely not. Who you are, whether you're a carer, where you're suffering, or whether you just want to be more compassionate and have more understanding for people in your life that you might know will be um, suffering, you're not alone. And um, we really hope that this bonus episode and all of our episodes have um, been beneficial. And, yeah, thank you for sharing all your insights, Dr. Stewart. Always, always grateful. For me too. Always a pleasure. All content and media related to the What's Up Doc podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. 
If you have any questions or concerns, please make sure you see your local healthcare professional.